0: If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer.
1: I am so excited about this week's podcast. Um, We're going to be talking about the book, The Six Needs of Every Child. So let me introduce my guest. Amy Ulrich is an author and a techie who has spent her professional life working with organizations to build social movements grounded in the ethic of love. Her work and writing have been featured in The Guardian and USA Today. She lives in New Zealand with her husband and their three children. Dr. Jeff Ulrich is a clinical psychologist who specializes in working with children and families. Dr. Ulrich has over 20 years of experience working in a variety of settings, including the University of Virginia, residential treatment, the public school system, community mental health, and private practice. He lives in New Zealand with his wife and three children. So welcome, Amy and Jeffrey. Oh, thank you so much. We're really happy to be here with you.
2: It's so good to be here.
1: I am so excited about this book. And um, as my listeners know, we have 10 kids. Three Mm. of them are adults. Those are our biological ones. And then we've adopted seven. Um, Two are out of the house right now. We have five still at home. And I am dealing with all the things that came with them not getting the connection they needed, Ooh. not getting their needs met as children. Yeah. So I was so excited about this book. So I would just love to hear where it got started. I think, Jeffrey, you'd be the first one to talk about where you first learned just about this need for connection and what you saw um, when you were were dealing with families.
2: Yeah, Um, That uh, story is an interesting one, and it really intersects with my um, faith story as well. Um, I came to faith uh, in Christ uh, just before I went away to graduate school, and um, I had already um, wanted to pursue um, um, a doctorate in child development and specifically studying child attachment, and that really interested me. Um, from when I was at the University of Miami. Um, but uh, at the same time, I was ex- beginning to explore that more in depth in graduate school. Uh, I was introduced to the Bible and Scripture. And I loved um, coming to know with fresh eyes sort of who God is and um, how to make sense of our humanity uh, from a faith perspective. So uh, I sort of had this real intense dual Uh, track going on in my life at that point, which was uh, to really dig deep into what it means to be human in terms of child attachment, um, and also looking at scripture with those same eyes. Uh, And the fact is uh, that um, attachment science has so much to say that really affirms um, what I've come to believe as a Christian uh, through the lens of the gospel about what it means to be human. So that was really the um, impetus I just a hunger to get that information uh, out to people, because I think it's exciting uh, for parents generally, but especially parents uh, of faith. So, yeah, you know, that's where my journey began.
1: Yeah. And then I know, Amy, as you know, you've explored this too, Uh, there's an opening story in the book about being at a pool and just seeing that the mom just needed to connect with her kids. And he just wanted that connection. And I think so many times as parents, we just think, oh, our kids are being whiny or, you know, they're really not hurt. and, And really, I mean, we're able to see when we're able to look through the lens of connections and meeting our kids' needs, that there's often a lot more going on than our kids just being disobedient or whiny.
3: Right. It's so, it was so fascinating. So Jeffrey and I started dating when he was in graduate school and I was an undergrad. So he would, he would just be talking about all these things with me. And I found, I was so fascinated in the science that he was unpacking, which is that all of us humans have these two equal complementary instincts that are very difficult sometimes for us parents to understand. One is to go out and explore the world, um, just to go out and master it and make it our own. And then the other one is to come back and to um, find refuge in our, secu- in our caregiver to like mm-hmm. when things get hard to come back <laughs> and become restored. And so, um, but it's, it's hard for us as parents to see that because they can feel so um, like they uh they kind of cancel each other out. Sometimes it's hard for us to see that. So what we did was we broke each of the instincts to go out and to come back into three different needs. And I think what that story at the pool was talking about was as we had spent so much time identifying and looking at these things, it just becomes so easy to recognize, oh, he's, he's hurt you know, he's crying at the pool, he needs to come back, he just needs a little bit of comfort, he needs a hug, and then he'll be ready to go out into the world again. But you have to kind of have eyes to see it first. So that's why the needs are exciting to me, because they've helped me so much as a mom to just see what my kids are needing.
1: Absolutely. So let's talk about the compass of needs. Um, I have so many underlines and stars and things (laughs) in this book. So go ahead and just explain it. And um, then we'll dig more into it.
2: Great. Yeah, sure. So, um, as Amy mentioned, uh, so there's six needs, uh, and three of them relate to this whole idea that when we feel safe, um, when things are good in our soul, um, what we're made for is to move out into the world uh, and discover it, explore it, master it, and we do that still in relationship, even though we're going out, like. Uh, especially young children, but not just young children. We, we, we do that with a look over our shoulder. Uh, and there's so much that young children don't know and don't understand. They need us to help them make sense of the world. So those three needs and that movement uh, of human nature in intimate relationship is um, first delight, then support, um, and, then, uh, and then boundaries. So delight um, really is about um, needing to be seen and affirmed with joy apart from our work. So, um, you know, uh, so often we focus on what our kids are doing. Or are they doing it right? Or are they doing it well? Uh, and and we are attuned to are we proud of them in a sense, right? Or we're, we're pleased with what they are doing. But delight is much different than that. Um, delight is this uh, inherent joy in uh, them as humans, in their own right, uh, regardless of, of what they're doing in particular, we, uh, you know, I think about when, uh, our first born Josh, uh, you know, came into the world and being like, oh my gosh, here is this person I've been waiting for you for nine months. I, I I'm just amazed. Um, and you know, we have moments of like of that in our life, but they can, they can pass us uh, pretty quickly in the busy busyness of life. But it's really important to look for, to stop. Um, really, the, the key aspects of delight are being able to um, pay attention, to stop, uh, to not be busy, and to see our children as um, themselves. So that's delight. And that's, we call that the wind in their sails, when, when it feels like somebody uh, sees you and is tickled by you and is for you. Uh, that really propels us into the world.
1: Support. I okay. before, before we go on, I, this is just like clicking in my head so much. So oh. when, when one of our kids, we adopted him, he was two and a half and he was considered rad, um, reactive attachment disorder. So he wouldn't make mm-hmm. eye contact. He would just yeah. take off with whoever. There was no connection there. And so we go to therapy with this little guy. And she's like, this is what I need you to do. And we practice this for six months in the therapy office. And I'm like, really, this is what is going to solve our problem. But we would, uh, she said, every day, you need to spend five to 10 minutes with him. And he needs to be seen, feel seen, feel heard and feel appreciated. Mm. So you're going to sit there and you're going to say, you're holding the red truck you are um driving the blue truck on the floor and then you repeat what he says so if he'd say you know he's two and a half so he'd say car i'd say car so i would repeated what he said so i i noted what he was saying what he was doing i repeated what he said and then i would say like if he'd hand me a car. Thank you for sharing. Great job Mm. sharing. And so I'm like, this is exactly what delight is, (laughs) which obviously he hadn't gotten that in the two and a half prior years. And now this is the kid that like every day he wants to snuggle with me. We read stories, and and so it's just like that time of him feeling seen, heard, and appreciated, which you're you know summing up as delight. Um, And I I talk to parents all the time. I'm like. their kids are, you know, having really bad anger problems or they're really struggling with discipline. I'm like, go spend some time with your child, like do this, this activity. And now I'm like, okay, yeah, this makes so much sense. This is
2: delight. It's beautiful.
1: And it's
3: so, it's so cool to hear that story because what we have, um, identified, Delight as is a mirroring need. So it's a need, exactly what you're talking about, for us to be seen. And on the compass there, these three needs to go out. Delight is the one on the exploration side of the compass to be seen. And then there's a, there's a matching one on the other side, but it is, it's so foundational to our development to be seen. And I remember when um, one of our little guys was struggling, just going back to the materials and saying, all right, they just need their little love banks filled up. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. not, this is not a discipline issue. This is not anything else. They just need to be seen and loved by us
1: for a while. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, that's great. Okay. Let's talk about support.
2: Yeah. So support, uh, is, is really just the need that we have to be nurtured, uh, in our natural interests, abilities and, and help with developing the skills that we need in life to, to thrive. So, um, you know, we open up worlds for our kids, um, and we help them to, um, to master them. Uh, they're not just going to, master the world um, all alone. So that that covers a lot of ground. um, But uh, boundaries is a real companion to it. um, Because as our kids move out into the world, uh, they're not the only ones in the world. um, And actions have consequences. And so uh, we also have to show them that there are limits to their exploration, that there are others in the world, uh, and help them understand how to fit into Uh, the world of others. With little kids, you know, it's the physical world, like don't run out into the street. But uh, over time, it's especially important uh, in terms of relationships that, hey, Look, when you when you just leave your dishes lying around, that has consequences for me. Like there's no fairies that come along and clean up uh, the kitchen. Right. Um, That affects me. That's that's something that your action has consequences for. So I can lovingly point that out to you and say, hey, bud, so come and help me uh, and and get this uh, kitchen cleaned up with me. So boundaries is about helping them understand um, that they're not alone in the world.
1: I love that. Yeah. Okay, now let's, let's talk about the next three uh, protection, comfort, and yeah. equipping.
2: So, life um, isn't all exploration and discovery. Uh, sometimes life is hard, <laughs> um, it can be scary for little kids or it can be uh, stressful in other ways. Uh, and so, when we are distressed, uh, we are made um, from the get go to cry out. Uh, and when we can move to move toward uh, the our caregivers, and uh, and we serve the role first to protect, which is the first need on that side. So when there's real imminent danger, uh, and we're little, we need somebody bigger, wiser, and stronger to come along and uh, physically, literally protect us. Um, but beyond that initial uh, danger, um, we need somebody to come for us. That that distress we carry within us that. Uh, fear um, uh, or um, frustration um, or uncertainty, uh, we feel it inside of us and it unravels us in a way. And so comfort is the need to be seen uh, and just held in, w- in that distress and that suffering, whatever form it takes. Um, and that's important first step toward the last need on that side of um, coming toward our caregivers, which is um, equipping and quipping moves from, I'm holding you. I'm seeing that you're you're scared or you're upset, um, and I'm going to sit here and name that for you, help you name that, uh, but also move you toward um, some solution, some movement, some plan. How do we get from distress to getting back on the field, as I say? Um, and so quipping is about that discovery of, okay, what happened was uh, that dog barked really loud, and you you were scared, and you didn't know if he was friendly or not. And here, let me help you uh, see that that dog is friendly. Let me go over there with you. So it's developing a plan. So those three are uh, protection, comfort, and equipping. And that and w- when we move through those stages, then a kid naturally says, great, thanks. I'm going back out on the field again. I'm going to go discover and play.
1: Yeah, and I just... Love that you lay it out so easily for us to see. And I think, you know, I think a lot of us do these things naturally, Um, but it might just help to see, oh, okay, I'm really not doing a good job with this area, or maybe I can do this more. And even with our own kids, um, one of our other kids, we got her when she was five. And every time she got hurt, so skinned knee, bumped her head, she would get angry. She would Throw mm-hmm. things, she would pound the wall, and so we you know we talked to the therapist about that, and they said you know you don't know what happened when she got hurt before, maybe someone yeah. made fun of her, maybe someone spanked her because she was annoying them, and so we actually had to teach her to come to us when she was hurt, mm-hmm. and that we would hold her and comfort her, mm-hmm. and it was it was so funny um, because you know I taught this like okay come to mama, you got an owie, and we would practice when she wasn't hurt you know but you know we we pretend you have an owie, come to mommy, I'll hold you. We'll put a Band-Aid. And so we did this for weeks and weeks. And then uh, one day she was out with my husband and was teaching her how to ride her bike. And she fell and skinned her knee. And he went to reach for her. And she turned to the house and ran to the house and said, Mommy. Because I had taught her to come to Mommy. We hadn't thought of, oh, we need a teacher. She can go to Daddy, (laughs) too. But I think so many times we don't – like we think, oh, um, this this child has a problem, an anger problem. No, really, she just needed to be taught that we can be there – For comfort, and I think when we can see these things, we might might be able to see um, areas that we haven't done a good job, or maybe we can do better on how we can really help our kids.
3: And I think that something I I love that story so much. The work that's done and the conscious work that you've put in is so beautiful. It's that's a story that I just want to sit with and contemplate. (laughs) You poured into your daughter for a minute. it really is beautiful. One of the things that it made me think about is one of the reasons why we put this into a compass is because we we want people to be able to look at all the needs together and recognize that, okay, these are human needs. So these are needs that, that I also had when I was a child mm-hmm. and just start to wonder about um, the needs that were met most frequently in our own lives growing up, and maybe some needs that were overlooked or undervalued, because those are the needs that tend to To be the ones that we go to, the ones that were met really strongly in us, (laughs) our needs that we then try to naturally meet really um, or have the potential to overdo in our own kids. And so on the compass itself, we have this this needle um, and it can be split in half of where where our child is pointing and where and we are pointing let me see if I can explain it well, because it was really, it really makes a difference for me to understand. So let's say we have a child. um, We do actually have one of our kids. He gets hurt a lot and he just really, really feels his pain (laughs) and Mm he has um, a tendency to really express his hurt And, I grew up in a home where boundaries was really heavily valued and comfort is a harder need for me to meet. It just doesn't come naturally to me. So when he's falling and hurting his little compass dial is pointed to comfort. That's what he's need. That's what his need is. Mine is pointed to boundaries because sometimes I just want the screaming to stop. Right. Right. Well, understanding this need and being able to picture this, this compass in my mind, and understanding the value. And that's what the science and stories we hope to share in the book is about understanding the value of comfort and actually how it helps move our kids forward is what gives me the ability to sit down on the floor with them and say, Hey, bud, let me just hold you for a minute. We'll get through this. And that's so fascinating. It's what builds his strength and resilience over time, but it takes me recognizing, Oh, this is something that I don't know how to do well. Let me learn it and come alongside my kid."
1: Yeah. I love that because you're talking about, okay, I see this is a need, but why do I feel uncomfortable? And you talk about that, you know, pay attention to um, what's happening and then what makes you uncomfortable about it. And it made me think about, you know, we adopted all these kids and the noise, you know, Mm you think I'd be like... (laughs) <laughs> that there's going to be a lot of noise around here. But e- but even like if they're all loud laughing, I would just be so tense. Mm. And I started thinking about like, what is going on? Well, I grew up with my mom and my stepdad and he was a Vietnam vet. And we had to very much be quiet around him. It was the house is quiet. We're not going to disturb him. He's watching his sports. And it wasn't like this verbal thing they told us. It was just, if you got his attention, you usually got in trouble. So so yeah. things were just, like, calm and quiet. And it just made me realize, like, the noise, even if it was joyful noise, playing around, it would just make me tense. And I I really had to tell myself, like, no, it's okay. They're having fun. They can be loud. This is our house. And, it like, going through those things in my mm-hmm. mind. But I love that, how sometimes the things that our kids need, we are uncomfortable. And it doesn't seem like... Um, that this is the right way we should be acting or reacting to our kids. But really, it, it's okay. It, we just have to see why are we uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, if you think about these needs, like being born with these needs, it's like we're born with really the impulse to move in every direction. Like the whole the whole world is open to us. And sometimes we're going to move left. Sometimes we want to move right along the points of, of a compass. But what you pointed out and Amy has pointed out is like, our early histories basically teach us, uh, there, are, there are points on the compass. We do not go, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, oh, we move in this direction, boundaries and quiet, and you know where your place is and you don't move out of that place. So when suddenly my kid comes along, I'm like, I want to go over here. I, I want to go in the direction of comfort. You're like, Oh no, no, that we don't be in that part of the world. <laughs> and yeah. it, but this is, um, this is an opportunity for our own healing. I think that God invites us into uh, uh, his work in our lives through our children uh, in this way, if we allow it, if, if we think, hey, God is present in this relationship, not just for my kid, but for me. So, hey, what's going on in both of us? So that you have learned to ask that question is really, uh, will be a blessing not only for your kids, but for yourself. Um, and I hope the book... It serves that tool for people. It's like not just I want something for my kid, but I want something for myself in terms of uh, thriving.
1: Right. I love that. And I love, okay, so um, it talks about the subtitle is Empowering Parents and Kids Through the Science of Connection. And I think that's what this whole thing is. The needle is to show us the areas where we need to connect. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a, I homeschool my kids. So as a homeschooling mom, we end up getting kids that were older. Our oldest one was uh, 15 when the adoption was finalized, all the way down to three when the adoption was finalized. And so, here I have all these different ages and all these different stages and all these different issues. And as a homeschool mom, I just felt like you know what, I just need to read out loud to these kids. Um, we could worry about all the workbooks, and yes, we're still going to get to the math. But yeah. I spend you know a couple hours every morning, and we read Bible stories. We read. Uh, missionary stories together we meet you know read all these things because I just had this feeling like they need to hear my voice they need to have this time of connection and really I've seen the homeschooling the learning get easier and it's come Mm. from us just sitting around the table reading books and Mm. I think so many times we try too hard to like figure out all the stuff we have to do when really our kids just want us to connect
2: yeah and um, here's the thing that we both Amy and I paid attention to as we, you know, we're raising our kids and we're on year 16, 17 of that, but the world, and I think this happened like the world, even, uh, in our churches, as well as non-church environments, the world in general, um, really focuses on outcomes, you know, uh-huh. uh, my kids learning, um, how is he behaving um, and uh, so there's and 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 that pressure feeds on our fears that we want to do it right. We w- we want our children to turn out well. How are how are other people going to judge me? Um, how are things going to turn out for my kid? Um, how is God going to judge me? Um, and 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 that feeds us. That prompts us. That pushes us in that direction of outcomes. What do I need to get? You know what do I what can I do to get the outcome that I think is the right one? However, you want to define that. Um, and what you're pointing out there is actually connection uh, is is the safest route to these outcomes that we probably care about most in our in, in the depths of our soul. Um, You know, which we might even describe as the fruit of the spirit, gentleness, kindness, Uh, self-control, these things that are the real markers later in life for, um, for human thriving, we get there through just what you described, connecting with our kids. And then we fill in those gaps along the way. We have the conversations. I teach you things, but it's not a straight line. Uh, and the world sort of is pressuring us, these sort of straight lines, is my kid where he needs to be at, at this moment in time? Um, what will other people think? And we just, we want to invite people out of that pressure and we re-con- re- reconnect with the idea of you are on a lifelong journey with your children. Each one of them is their own person and your relationship with each of them is its own relationship and connect and, mm-hmm. and, and you'll get where you need to go.
1: Yeah. I, I love that so much. It helps mm-hmm. me now that I have adult kids. My my older yeah. kids are 31, 28 and 26. My daughter is a missionary in the Czech Republic. We talk every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we video call every day. My mm-hmm. two sons live in town and they come over and we play board games. And there's a lot of things. I, especially as a homeschooling mom, I didn't get right. All of them were horrible in math by the time they got to college because I'm more language and we'd read stories mm-hmm. and they all had to take, you know, basic, basic level math, um, but they all have done fine. They, you know, two are college graduates. Uh, one is a junior in college. They're doing fine. And one, uh, mm-hmm. one of them um, that's a junior in college, he just, you know, aced his calculus test. I'm like, see? He's like, but, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's like, mom, I know, you know, you didn't get it perfect, but, you know, he got there. And I think the fact that we have the relationship, the connection, my adult sons still come over when we play board games and we have meals, um, mm-hmm. that looking back those times that we we read stories and played games, that has really just solidified our relationship as the years have gone by. And so it just encourages me with my younger kids, you know, if they're struggling, yes, we will get to those math facts, but let's, mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's spend this time together and all those other things will be taken care of in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds so
3: simple, but we really just want to help people change like stop themselves in their mind from asking the question that I think so many parents go to, and I certainly do, is what do I do with my child? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And changing that question, transforming it into how shall I be? with this person, right? Because right. that little person that you were working on with math facts <laughs> is now a 31 year old man who comes over to your house and plays board games. And I might have your order of your kids wrong, but it's just, yeah, no, it's not, you're hard, right. <laughs> it's yeah. hard for us to see that in the moment. Right. But it's this long view vision and it's how shall I be? Because this is a person who is developing and growing in the world. And yeah, all these things, we're going to have hard moments, hard months, sometimes hard years with our kids. And that doesn't tell the full story. Just like our own personal hard moments, hard months, hard years um, don't tell the whole story of our lives, right? But it's just so hard to not get caught up in whether we feel like we're doing something wrong. So...
1: Yeah, I love that. Okay, there's one more thing I want to talk about before we end because I think um, when I'm speaking at homeschool conferences, when I have parents, especially adoptive parents, coming um, and talking to me and wanting advice, something that I learned about the thinking brain and the feeling brain has helped me Mm -hmm. um, so much. And and just, you know, when your kids are angry or when they're upset or when they're emotional, where they're worried about a worldwide pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, when that emotional brain, feeling brain is turned on, they're not going to be able to have their thinking brain they're not going to be able to sit there and memorize spelling words and or they're not going to be able to listen to your rational um conversation of why this is right and why this is wrong so i end up like over everything i've learned i think this has helped me the most and i would just love for you guys to just explain it because i think this is so so important
2: yeah that's right it's um <laughs> you know, for me in my training these things sort of like oh yeah that's how it works but you realize um you know we don't walk around thinking about ourselves as having different brains we just like there's my brain you know like i do yeah. what i do and you know this idea that actually uh we have more than two brains but let's just start there this idea <laughs> Yeah, that, that there's a part of our brain, it really is its own ecosystem, if you will. And its job is, uh, uh, is um, uh, to really to interact with the, with the world with a sense of urgency, <laughs> you know, uh, survival. Um, and uh, that emotional, you know, that emotional part of our brain, which just reacts To the world as it's experienced really on a sensory level like what do i what did i hear what do i see what do i smell like before you can even consciously be aware of the information that part of your brain is doing its thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and if if what it picks up in the world is like important in some way and that could be related to you know you talk about having uh, children you've adopted they have a whole life story and it's mostly parents who adopt. It's like um, it's blind to them. They may know some general things, but the, in the specifics, uh, you're walking blind. And so that part of their brain is carrying those hard, intense experiences. Um, and at any moment, that part of the brain could um, be on fire, really just saying, hey, you know what? I picked up something. I need to get out of here. mhm um, mm-hmm. And just as you pointed out, when that part of our brain is um, in charge, it, it's like pulls the plug on this other part of our brain, which really works best when we feel safe
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: and the coast is clear. Uh, and that's when we can be re- rational and curious and discovering. That's the part of our brain that we really use when we're in that explore mode. Um, and so it's like we're in two different modes. The comfort part, that need, the reason it's so important is it's like a bridge to that rational part of our brain, and we often want to jump over that bridge and get straight to the solution. Um, as parents, we sort of think we see the problem <laughs> and yeah. know what would solve it, but our emotional brains is not is not jumping over that bridge. Um, if we if we want a kid to be able to really move out of that, that, uh, mode of distress, we have to come alongside of them. Um, and what I call hold space for them, create space of holding for them. And that's, and that's really, it can literally be a hold, but a lot of kids, um, uh, especially from abuse backgrounds, that can be tricky too. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just a pause. It's like, I see it something's going on for you. I know your emotional brain, whether I use that language or not, has picked something up. And I'm here with you uh, until we figure this out together. And uh, in general, um, we find a way if we do that, that helps our kid across that bridge back into our thinking brain where we can be curious and say, what's going on here? Let's figure it out together. And that's slower In a sense, it's slower, um, but really, it's actually the fastest way to get to a a true recovery. Sometimes we can shut down the distress really quickly with threats, but it's not actually helping the problem. It's just going to pop right back up sooner, if not uh, later, if not sooner.
1: Yeah. And I I love that. Just taking that pause, holding that space, sometimes physically holding them and, Mm -hmm. and really, you know, you train them to see, um, what's really going on. And an example would be, um, one of my kids getting upset with a sibling and (laughs) over something, maybe like they're being noisy or something that normally wouldn't bother them. And I'll say, so what do you think's going on? Mm -hmm. Well, he was being noisy. Uh, well, he's noisy a lot, but usually don't get upset. So, you know, what what's, what do you think is happening? And so then when they pause and think about it, I just really did bad on that quiz I took or the neighbors mm-hmm. said something rude, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, um, but it's making them aware um, of, of what's going on. And I think asking questions is like one of the best things we can do instead mm-hmm. of saying you're, you're really just upset because a neighbor, like that doesn't, then others get mad because yeah. you're calling them out. But what yeah. do you think is going on um, is something that I think really helps a lot.
2: And what you look, here's the, here's the tricky part. The really tricky part. When our kids get emotional or in, like in particular ways, based on their own history, we get caught up in our emotional brains. <laughs> right? Cause like you were talking about that in your family noise, that meant danger, like something right. bad would happen if people got loud. Well, your emotional brain remembers that that's where you hold that information. You don't, hold it up in your thinking you're not thinking about it consciously although now you probably do because you've made that connection right and so when we as parents get pulled into our emotional brains then then we get into the mode I just have to shut this whole operation down we lose the ability to go slow and be curious so yeah, that whole two brain business is important for our kids. It's just important for us though, because yeah. if we're in the emotional brains, we're not going to be able to do that work of saying, "Hey, buddy, what's really going on here?" Um, and uh, you know, sometimes the best we can do. Um, Amy and I were talking about this recently. Is is the handoff? There are times when I am. I know I am not. I can't go in the direction my child needs. I'm tapped out whether I realize right. what the reason is or not. Um, and I'm grateful that, uh, you know, Amy having these tools, she can go, I know where we need to go with our son and I can go there right now. Cause that's not happening for me the way it's happening for you. You're not stuck in, I'm not stuck in my emotional brain the way you are.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I love that. Mm. And, when, and my husband and I have done that too. I'll be mm. I'm getting emotionally charged. Wow. He's like, I'll go, I'll go hang, take care of it. And sometimes he just goes and sits in the room. Like he doesn't need to have the conversation. He's just, he just sits there until that, the child's ready to have a conversation. But another oh, thing that has, that really helped me is, um, one of the therapists said, you know, she's doing, she's trying to make you mad so that the pressure's off her. Right. Cause all of a mm. sudden, if, mm-hmm. if you're angry then then you know you're then she could say oh you're mad at me and it's right. it's awful her emotions it's off what she did wrong and so she's like if you stay calm you win and so i mean so many times (laughs) when i feel like i know it's so true though (laughs) but but i would just sit there and tell myself if i stay calm i win if i stay in my mind (laughs) if i stay calm calm, i win uh and then then letting them go you know and especially with teenagers like i just want to go and follow and continue the conversation and get them to see the right way and Teach them to be disrespectful. I mean, be respectful instead of disrespectful. It's like, nope, I'm not going there. I'm going to stay here and finish well, making dinner, and I'm going to stay calm.
3: Really, that that switch between parenting young kids into tweens and teens that was so oh. difficult for me because all the things that feel so natural and instinctual to me, which is like to come close and hug and work it out and talk, that doesn't work with our preteens. And I found myself one day just something had happened with one of our guys and I was, I kind of followed him into his room and wanted to talk it out. Like, we're just going to work this out because that feels comfortable to me. I want to connect in that way. And at one point, my poor little guy just put a blanket over his head and I thought, what am I doing? I mean, he obviously just is in that time where he needs alone space. So again, it's that, all right, thinking back to what are the needs and realize, okay, we still need to connect, but we can't connect the way that I'm comfortable because he's always changing and growing in a relationship just as all relationships change. So what we ended up doing that day was we both kind of took time away from each other and then just went out and got ice cream and took a walk around the river and didn't even talk about that issue that we were dealing with. But then we could later come back to it. But it was just that whole idea of um, me just needing to to see my kid. And recognize, hey, as their brains are developing, their kids another thing that I just really hope that people can get from the book is this idea that our, that our kids brains are growing and developing and changing. And sometimes the things that they do are unfathomable to us, just because they're not thinking they're literally not thinking. (laughs) So it's about us. We need to to go into that place if we can, um, to just think, what do they need here in a way that I can guide and shepherd them um, to get through this next developmental stage.
1: Yeah, and th- yeah, their brains aren't fully developed. I mean, we could logically think through why they don't need to be doing that, but and I love how you said, you know, just l- giving them space and maybe doing something to connect and then bring the conversation up later and I'll hmm. I'll talk to that tell parents all the time. You don't have to solve it that day. You don't even have to yeah. like bring it up that, you know, within 24 hours make time connect later when you're both feeling yeah. you know the release from whatever was going on right. and don't feel the tension you could say so what was going on the mm-hmm. other day and you know i'm I, we have lots of girls so we have seven girls and uh three boys and so a lot sometimes i'll say i was just feeling really hormonal i'm like yeah that's yeah. what i thought you know <laughs> but i couldn't have told you in the moment that's what right. was going on so um and guys boys can feel hormonal too at times mm-hmm. um but I think so many times I think we want to solve it. We want to fix it back to, you know, what you were saying earlier. And it's like, no, we don't need to do that in this moment, especially as they get older and they're yeah. even trying, they have no idea sometimes what's going on. <laughs> like so,
3: that long view, right. It is. It's like, it's so difficult for me to make that shift. Um, seeing from this moment, like in the moment, how are things going to in the long run? How will things, how will things be with this person yeah. that we am in a relationship with?
2: And yeah, yeah, so I mean, it's interesting, you know, that the and that basic descriptor we use for comfort is see and hold, hold you know, and yeah, for your three-year-old, holding is literally holding. Yeah. <laughs> but we hold for our for our adolescent kids just by I I see what you know see something's going on or uh, I know you're upset and I am here. Uh, if, and when you're ready to talk about that or need me to help you work through that, that's holding, you yeah. know, that's a kind of holding. Um, but yeah, that shift can catch you by surprise. Cause like, you know, in our own eyes, there's still those li- our little guys or little girls and, um, but it's a journey. We figure it out and just knowing what the ground is, we have the options we have, um, Based on our design, just can be really can. It helps me to sort of um, feel less lost, even if yeah. the, the problem, quote unquote, isn't being solved right this moment.
1: Oh, that's so good! And mm-hmm. for me, the holding uh, usually with teens is like eleven p.m. <laughs> All yeah. of a sudden, they want to start talking, yeah. and like I am so tired. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: the one a.m. knock
3: at the door, and I thank God for the one a.m. knock at yeah. the door. I yeah. mean, it, the, some of the most meaningful moments have happened then, but I do have to
1: steel myself
3: <laughs> to yeah. say, okay, um, this is where we push past the tiredness and, and really enter in.
1: Yeah. Cause then, you know, when they're 26 and they need something, that's when you, they had that one o'clock at one AM am knocking the door and they're able to come to you when they're 26 and really struggling with something at school or okay. whatever's going okay. on at work or That's me. Oh, so good. I mean, we could talk all day. But (laughs) um, um, so tell us where um, listeners can find more information about you and the book.
3: Oh, thank you. So we are at growingconnected.com. You can find um, information about the book there. It's called The Six Needs of Every Child. And then we're on Instagram and Facebook at Growing Connected.
2: And I'm on Twitter at uh, Jeffrey Ulrich.
1: Thank you. I, we will put all those in the show notes, but thank you so much for being here. Okay. I could have talked to them for so much longer. I love all the things that they're sharing. And as a mom who has had to get so much training from the experts on how to help kids, um, I think this is a book that everyone needs to read. And I love what they say. Um Dr. Jeffrey and Amy, I love what they say in their book. It talks, um, here's a quote. It says, faith teaches that we are made for and formed by relationship. Science powerfully reveals this to be true. And the most foundational of all human relationship is the relationship between parent and child. We are made to connect. And I know for sure that one of the hardest things I've ever faced as a parents, as I mentioned, is attempting to build A bond with kids who fight against that very thing. They want to be loved, but they put up walls because of their past hurts. They want to connect, but every time an adult draws close to them, they feel filled with anxiety and fear. And I think so many times we think we need the right discipline methods, but really what we need is parents who are willing to step forward and connect. And this is true for parents that have kids with big, big struggles or parents with kids with just everyday struggles that maybe struggle to obey. I mean, you know, all kids struggle to obey. But I think so many times we think we need to figure out the right discipline methods when really we just need to pause and really take note of what's going on inside our kids' hearts and minds and emotions and it makes such a huge difference. So I'm learning to parent in a whole new way because all my old parenting methods didn't apply for kids that just really struggled to connect. And I think um, the wonderful thing is that the tools in this book are for any parent. And what our kids really need is what they talked about is they need us to do more together, to be together more, to draw close. And um, that is that is going to change everything. And so I think so many times we hear someone like, okay, that doesn't apply to me, but I guarantee not even in kids in any relationship, we can just figure out how to be together, how to listen better, how to connect more. And that will change all of our relationships. So the walk it out verse for today is Psalm 103, 13. And it says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And that word fear, I always think like, why do we need to be afraid of God? But no, really, the fear is like fear in um, knowing that his way is true and and being respectful of God's ways and the ways things work. I mean, he created people. He knows the ways. He knows the way that we work, that we think. And I love that. As a father shows compassion to his children, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And maybe if you're really struggling to connect with your kids, maybe you need to go back to, okay, am I struggling with connecting with God? And this has been me in the past. If we feel like we're not doing good enough and God is going to judge us and he really um, is watching us catch us messing up, then we will have a hard time connecting. So maybe today, um, just start by knowing how much you care for your kids and then picturing yourself. As the child and God really connecting with you. And I know someone like me who wasn't raised, um, with a earthly father who just showed that love and compassion and connection. It's hard sometimes to picture God as that heavenly father, but maybe today you just start there. You just start with turning to God and saying, here I am. You know, everything about me, you know, every flaw, every struggle, and then just be willing to sit still and let him give peace in your heart that he has compassion for you, that he loves for you, that he cares for you. And I guarantee that stuff will also help you to be able to connect with other people. And it's not like you could do it once and okay, everything's great. I could totally feel God's love and I'll never struggle with this again. And that's why I love um, sitting before God in my quiet time. It's that reminder every day that I'm okay. God loves me just as I am. I'm never going to be perfect. Um, but he has compassion for me. He loves me me. And then through that, when I accept that I'm able to reach out to my kids in new and different ways. So let me just pray for you today. Lord, I am so thankful for Dr. Jeffrey and Amy and the wisdom that they have. I'm thankful that they got up super early in New Zealand, (laughs) that they can share um, all this with us. And I think so many times we are always focused on the struggles and how we're not doing things right. And I pray that um, each of us will just be okay with being, with being with people, being with you. And from there, we will find the light and support and boundaries and protection and comfort and equipping. But first we need to just be, and I pray that we will just walk away from this podcast with that sense in all of our hearts today. I pray that we will um, all lean on you and, and know that you have compassion for us and that you will help us have compassion for others. I pray a blessing over um, Dr. Jeffrey and Amy and all that they're doing. I pray that this book will just get into the hands of people who need it, which is all of us, Lord. Um, I pray a blessing over their family. And in your name we pray, amen. Well, friend, I am so thankful that you are tuning in to the Walk It Out podcast. Maybe you are new here. Maybe this is the first podcast um, that you heard. And maybe you are know that this was something that maybe that you took away for yourself in your parenting or your friendships or any relationship. This works. Um, and share it with a friend. Let a friend know like, hey, I kind of know that you're struggling with this. Here's something you need to listen to. But also, go to walkitoutpodcast.com. There are so many awesome interviews. And I say that because these are awesome guests. I just love every time when I sneak away to my bedroom, like literally, I come in my bedroom. I usually have a dog at my feet. I have a piece of a notebook paper that is taped to my door that says live interview. And for that 30, 45 minutes, however long, I can just really have a great conversation. It's such a blessing to me. And I just hope that these great conversations can be a blessing to you too. So share it with your friends, forward it, point them to the Walk It Out podcast, let them know that they can listen on iTunes, their favorite podcast app, or they can go to walkitoutpodcast.com. There's over a hundred different topics, interviews, people that I've talked to to connect with. So if you're new here, um, explore have fun with that if you have been a faithful listener I actually want you to send me a note so send a note to hello at trishagoyer.com because if you have been listening for a while I just want to hear what you're loving what you um appreciate about it and maybe even you know if you have tips for me or if you have someone that you think oh my goodness trisha needs to interview this person let me know like I have a hard time, ask my assistant Kristen, I have a hard time saying no, because I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing what God is doing in their lives. But if you have someone that you think, um, like Tricia needs to interview this person on Walk It Out podcast, you can nominate your friend, your pastor, whoever, whoever. Um, or if you have a pipe dream of, I would love to have trisha interviewed this person i mean i don't know if i could reach them maybe we'll try but go ahead and email at hello at trisha and let us know first of all what you think if you have any suggestions um, for improving the podcast or if you have someone that i should interview let me know that too but thank you so much for tuning in thank you for um just being a blessing to me and i pray that god will give you an amazing day Thanks
0: for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.